we've known each other for a minute. Um, not everybody who maybe follows us is necessarily aware of who you are. So could you start by just introducing who is Peter Hurley? Sure. Uh, well, I'm Peter Hurley and I am a portrait photographer in New York City. I specialize in headshots. So I've been known as like the headshot guy, I guess. I wrote the book on headshots and and have a tremendous following of headshot photographers that um, are within my group. It's called the Headshot Crew. So I run that. And it's been a wild ride. It's just been, I picked up a camera when I was 30 without, I was trying to get out of a bar. Mm. I was like, I don't want to bartend. I picked up a camera and I'm self-taught and here I am. Wait, so, I didn't know that you, you used to work at a bar. You were a bartender. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so you just said, effort like i'm gonna do something else i was the model actor bartender guy and i was i was bartending till like 4 a.m in 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 one of the hot, well the hottest club at the time in new york city and i just mm. was like shot i was i was falling asleep on my modeling job i i was the wrangler guy for like a year they booked me on a bunch of stuff and i fell asleep on that job and my agent like woke me like they woke me up my agent called you can't fall asleep on the job <laughs> It's like, I was like, oh, okay, well, I got to get out of this bartending deal. Well, yeah, New York bars are open till 4 a.m. Four. Yeah, yeah, which is insane. So you're bartending until yeah. 4, and yeah. then you're modeling. Yeah, um, and then I'd be up at 8 on a yeah. set, and it just was terrible. Yeah. And they, I, the funny thing is, is that Wrangler hired me that day. I must have looked so tired, because when the ad came out, they ca cropped my body and just showed the jeans. You couldn't <laughs> see my face. <laughs> you wouldn't even know it's me. He has bags, <laughs> cut them out. <laughs> I tell this story all the time. It's hilarious. That was the day I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, so I'm curious. So you became a photographer, and anybody who follows you just has seen your success and the excellence of your work. But I am curious, like, in those... In the days before photography, you know, doing modeling, doing being a bartender, did any of that apply into photography? Well, I think that people ask me this all the time. So, because uh, I, I coach a lot of photographers and, and, you know, they're always, I'm always trying to give them everything I got to tell them how to get further along in their careers mm -hmm. as rapidly as possible, obviously. And I had a leg up just being on sets and seeing what the top of the game was. But, you know, the thing that's the worst and it still bugs me to this day is I modeled for eight years. For five of them, I didn't know I was going to be a photographer. So I did all these. I worked with the best photographers in the world. I did all sorts of work and I paid no attention to the photographer. I paid no attention at all. I was just like, mm. I'm on the set. There's cute girls around and I'm making money. This is great. Yeah. And, uh, and then I decided to pick up a camera and everything changed. And I, I went, Oh my gosh, I, I, cause I'm self-taught. I didn't know anything. And I was mm. like, I, I wasted five years of free education that you could have, that been. I could have had. Yeah, yeah. So when people ask me like, what did you really get out of it? And I think it's really just come, it boils down to awareness, like being on the set, seeing what the images look like, really having an eye and seeing how that image was created. And then it wasn't like mm. I was getting ISO aperture shutters. I remember I, one of my last, one of my modeling jobs after I had figured out that I wanted to be a photographer was for mm. BMW. And I was shooting this catalog. I don't think I've ever told this story. I'm shooting mm. the catalog and the photographer actually had the camera that I had just bought. Mm. So I was like, Oh man, I'm going to ask him everything. <laughs> and the guy's like, will you just go like, just stand there and just, just model, like <laughs> just get in front of the camera. Like I was like, what's that light doing? What's that light doing? Why do you have that filter on there? What is this thing? What do I do? I have that camera, you know? And the, yeah. all the stars were like, we don't want to have anything to do with this guy. So <laughs> 
my modeling career went straight down the tubes, but it was the best thing for my photography mm. and it pushed me out the door. So I think it's, I think the one thing is, is that it was an awareness thing going back to it. It was, it was like, you know, I've seen the top of the game. I'm seeing what, what's going on. Um, I didn't know how to get there, but mm -hmm. I knew the images that I had to attempt to produce mm -hmm. and, and, um, and I knew what it was like to be on those sets and do the commercial work. I actually thought that I was going to be a commercial photographer. Mm. Um, and my life just never went down that route. I started going a different direction and yeah. here I am. So, so why headshots? I was an actor. So I thought I was like, well, you know, the top headshot photographers in, in New York city were charging like a thousand bucks at the time. I think I, I don't remember what I mm. paid for my most expensive headshot session. But I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I'm an actor. I have friends that are actors. I could photograph them. They're charging a pretty penny. Let mm -hmm. me, uh, let me get in on this action. And that was the best thing that I could have ever done, I guess, because it, it really opened up every single door that's ever happened to me in photography. I actually, um, one of the things I think if you look at entry points into mm -hmm. becoming a, a professional photographer, mm -hmm. especially as a portrait photographer, mm -hmm. you've got what families, kids, weddings, mm -hmm. you know, you name it, like headshots are definitely one of them. And I think it's just an easy access point for people. So I, I was actually, when I picked up a camera, I was like, I'll do anything. So I had, I, I was terrible at it, but I shot weddings. I was like, I did a couple weddings. So wow. I was like, Oh wow. I want to see um, those photos. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, some of them are actually cool. Cause I was doing yeah. film and I was, I was oh, shooting sick. medium format and mm -hmm. I was artsy. So it was like, mm -hmm. it was kind of cool stuff. But, um, then, and I, I bet you if I look back at that stuff, I'm really, really, really impressed with it now because it's, it was film and, and, Mm. I'm so beyond that, but it was, it means a lot to me. I was shooting Roly at a, at a wedding and stuff That's like that. Epic. So you should share some cool. of those photos. That yeah. just seems like it would be a cool archive moment. Oh, I was looking through my negatives the other day and I was like, wow, I missed this. So I'm, I'm yeah. actually thinking about getting back into film, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, that is the thing. Like somebody has an, a love for photography and then they want to monetize it. And I always, I always tell people, you know, shoot up a storm, shoot everything that comes your way and then figure out what you can monetize. Like, I don't know how to monetize landscapes, but somebody out there is doing it. Yep. You know, I don't yep. know. Yep. And when yep. I started, I shot everything. I actually, my yep. first commercial job was shooting for Reebok. They, yep. they, my friend was the art uh, buyer at this ad agency that had a bunch of different clientele and she, I grew up sailing with her. And I told her, I picked up a camera. She goes, oh, let me see your stuff. And she goes, you're pretty good. And this was like, I had picked up a camera in June of 2000. And this was like that summer. I like had started shooting some sailboats and I started mm. showing her. And she's like, she's like, oh, okay, well, I need you to, I'm going to give you a pair of sneakers for Reebok. I need you to photograph them. I was like, what? She goes, yeah, just do the, you know, the, we did the ad campaign and these sneakers weren't on the set. We're just going to Photoshop them into the, into the ad, but we need them shot like this. Can you do it? And I was like, I, I guess. And she was my friend. So she said, I have a budget for you. I'm just going to pay you. And so I didn't have to be a businessman at that time because mm -hmm. I was like, just taking whatever she was going to give yeah. me, which yeah. was crazy because it was a lot. It was, I had never gotten mm -hmm. paid as a photographer mm -hmm. up to this point. So you I got started the, with Reebok. I started with Reebok. Not bad. Not yeah. bad. <laughs> so I did the shoes. I did the first pair of sneakers 
and I was freaking out and I gave her the negatives and she's like, this is great. And she paid me 3000 bucks. And I was like, wow, holy smokes. <laughs> so then she's like, Hey, I got another pair of sneakers for you to shoot. And I was like, what really? Another 3000. Well, anyway, that year, the first six months of my career, I shot 11 pairs of sneakers for Reebok. I love it. That's pretty love good. It. You know what's interesting? So whenever I meet a photographer and one of the first questions I ask is, well, what kind of photography do you do? And oftentimes they'll say, well, I do everything or something to that effect. And to me, that's always like, well, that means you're just kind of starting out because if you do everything, you can't really be excellent at everything. Room service. Pardon. <laughs> Let me start that over. So when I meet a photographer and oftentimes they'll say, um, you know, one of the first questions I'll ask them is, what do you do? What kind of photography? And they'll say, well, I do everything. And to me, that's like an indicator. Well, if you do everything, then you're probably a starting a beginner photographer because you're still like trying things out. You haven't figured out like what you're going to be uniquely excellent at and what you're going to be able to monetize and truly excel in because you can't truly be excellent at everything. You know, the whole adage as it goes, you know, jack of all trades is master of none. And one thing that you've exemplified is just you took a, a discipline or you took a, a field, if you will, and you just you mastered it like you 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 did it like you pursued excellence in it to an extent where you raised the bar for everyone else. And, and you became like almost like a light post of like, if you want to do headshots, you look at Peter Hurley, you, you take his material, you, you study his courses because um, you've just, you've had this incessant pursuit of excellence in your craft. And I think that's something so many artists don't realize is, is you just have to do that to a point, right? And, and I'm, I'm curious, like in your experience in your life, what drove you to do that? What, what was like the mechanism that that led to this excellence? You know, I think, oh, well, I think it was ingrained from a young age. I think I'm uber, like super competitive. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like a, in, in the things I love, but mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm more competitive with myself than I am against other people. I don't know. I mm -hmm. trained for the Olympics. So I was a world champion when I was age 13 in this, I got into sailing and I remember my dad got me into it and I started it and I was like a, I was like a phenom, I guess. Is that a word that you would use for something like that? I was like a, I was very good at a very young age in terms of my yacht club and then in the New Jersey area. And then I started to travel and then I, I won some national and North American championships and stuff like that. And I just kept getting better. But I was so gung ho about it. I was just like, I was like, nobody's stopping me. This is my thing. Mm. I think anything in life, if you if you love it so much and you live, eat, and breathe it, like I would go. The summer would end, and I would go home. And I lived in. I grew up sailing on the Jersey Shore, and it was a summer house. Like we would stay there in the summer. In the winter, we'd go to North Jersey, and I would go home. And all the kids would play sports and stuff, and I did nothing. I just wanted to sail. But I couldn't sail, and I don't know why I didn't do other stuff, but I was so focused on, mm -hmm. on sailing. I loved it so much. So the, the, that led me down a path of going to compete at the highest level in the Olympic Games, and I trained mm -hmm. for two Olympic Games. And I think seeing the, being part of that 
having that experience mm -hmm. was phenomenal, you know, and seeing the level that you have to be at. And, and I think the, the, the guys that I sailed against that were winning the world championship, I was always a step behind them. I, I missed that, that I think that they were so dedicated and I'm, and I didn't have that I don't want to say crazy, but it was like, these you guys have to were be. like you have nuts. To. Yeah. They were like, yeah. I was like, I don't think I could behave like them. <laughs> I mean, they were like the yeah. two guys that I really like, you could just see the fire in their eyes. And, yeah. and I was scared of them <laughs> on the race course. So I was like, how am I going to go to the Olympics? I'm scared of these guys. But I think that the thing is, is that on this planet, you know, we, we just mm -hmm. created the, you know, when the Olympic games were mm -hmm. created and everything. And I'm fortunate enough that my sports in the Olympics, there is, there is a level, you know, yeah. and, and, and to mm -hmm. aspire to be able to compete at that level is something mm -hmm. that I've always been proud of. You and know? you got to experience that on that level where you got, you got to see the mindset of individuals that were competing and like just the drive that it takes to to stand out from everybody else who's kind of sailing, yeah, you know, or yeah. who's trying to sail, but they don't obsess over it. They don't, yeah. they're not tracking every pound. They're not obsessing over it every minute. And, yeah. and so, and so you take that then to photography. Well, what, what happened was I, I failed to make the United States Olympic team. And I went back to New York. I made the U S sailing team top five guys at the Olympic trials made it. And I finished fourth. And I trained for Sydney, but I didn't get to go to the Olympics. And another one guy went, got to go and he went. And I was always worried about representing the U.S. Well, I, I should have been more selfish because he did really terrible at the Olympics. So I, I was like, I could have done better than that. You know, it's like, well, I mean, he's a very good sailor and he, and he, and he performed very well at that regatta. Um, but mentally, uh, I think there's a, a mental aspect to this stuff that you just, you just have to attain. And it has to do with your desire and and if you couple your desire with discipline mm. it's a game changer like mm. and i don't think people really without you you have to have the passion and the desire to to apply the discipline so what mm -hmm. happens is, mm -hmm. is people want something mm -hmm. but they don't want it bad enough so they don't discipline themselves enough to do it so it's something that mm -hmm. i've always done throughout my life is challenge myself to instead of you know just doing it like everybody else well what if I discipline myself more and and see what I'm actually capable of I have a very um black and white decision making process in my brain and it's like if I'm doing it I'm doing it like I'll tell people that I'm gonna lose yeah. you know I I was I quit sailing for a while I I focused on photography I got out of shape I hurt my I pinched a nerve in my neck I was like 230 pounds you got to weigh 185 pounds to sail this boat that i sail and i was turning 45 and the world championships for the masters division when you turn 45 you could sail in it and mm -hmm. i sail I, I never i was like you know what i want to go sail in the world championship and it was in canada and it was january and i was 230 pounds and on in july i had to weigh 185 and i was like i'm gonna do it i'm doing it and Wait, January I, to July. Yeah. From 230 to, to 180. Yeah, to lose pounds. 45 pounds. Yeah. So I... 85, yeah. Yeah. So I... What I do is I put myself out there publicly with that kind of stuff mm -hmm. to hold myself accountable. And I think that, you know, 
that makes it, I'm never going to not do it. Like I'm telling people I'm doing like I yeah. had a fairly sizable yeah. following to tell. So yeah. I was like, I'm telling you guys to keep myself accountable. Yeah. yeah. And I think that yeah. accountability on my own part inspired a lot of people. I've had mm. guys, uh, that got on that. I had one of my, I think he lost over 150 pounds because I started him down this path. I had another guy that changed his body completely. Um, a lot of them, you know, thank me because I put it out there, but I had to do it. I wasn't like, a, I'm not yeah. wishy-washy about it. And I think that that's what people are missing. They're, they're not fired up enough and to do mm -hmm. the work that needs to be mm -hmm. done and to have the b discipline to see it through. So yeah. they'll, they'll quit halfway through something. Yeah. They won't, they won't understand that they could have been so close, but they didn't push the envelope or they just lost their drive. I think we all lose our drive. I yeah. mean, I've lost my drive. I've been burnt out. I've been, you know, yeah. you know, felt that way. But in this instance, I made it on July 10th. I weighed 185 pounds. I went into the world championships and I finished second. So it was just awesome. That's they did a, a big story about story. it in, in the, in the magazine for the, for the laser stuff. And, wow. you know, yeah, there's some, there's some power to accountability because if you put it out there, then, I mean, what, what is a man worth except his word? Right. Yeah. And if you say it now, now you haven't just said it to one person or two people, you've said it to 20 hundreds, potentially thousands. And, and now if you don't keep it, then you haven't kept your word to thousands of people. Yeah. That's a powerful yeah. driver. Yeah. And to put yourself in that position, you know, voluntarily is, yeah. is a certain mindset that you just have to pursue and you have to, you have to just ultimately be that kind of person. Right. And it's not just in photography. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle thing. I think it goes back to belief in yourself. I think the more, um, confidence you have in, in, in what you do, or if you love it and you're going to get better at it, you're going to hold yourself accountable. You know, you have to yeah. do some self-parenting. Like yeah. you have to be, you know, yeah. it's like you have to, like, yeah. I, I'm the one who has to wake up in the morning and put my foot on the floor and go, okay, here we go. I'm going to go for that run. I'm going to go, you know, do my abs. I'm going to go get on the Peloton, whatever I'm going to do yeah. to try and get myself in shape or I'm mentally going to work on myself. And I think that the translation of that, and just to bring this back to the business part of it, I didn't know I, I was never business savvy you know, as a, as a, I was, I had picked up a camera and then I was like, well, I, I have to make money with this thing. I mm -hmm. have to turn it into a business. I'd never mm -hmm. knew, you know, I was a, what did I do? I was a sailing instructor. That was like my first job. <laughs> right. And then I delivered beer in the summer for cores. That was a fun job. Every time I see the guys delivering beer, <laughs> I was like, I always say, I used to be you, man. I was good with that hand truck. <laughs> uh, and it kept me in shape. I, it was, it was fun on the summer job. Cause we'd have, we'd go by like a, a construction site. I'd yell out the window. I got cold beer. And they're like, ah! <laughs> anyway. And then I, and then I got into, I fell into that modeling thing and then bartending. And that was it. I never ran a business. I never knew that I needed a structure in place to have a business. Um, I didn't know anything about business. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that, that, you know, people have to really figure out and have to be passionate about. That's the yeah. part of the, the whole process because the artistic process, if you want to do this as a, as a, for a living, and you're very artistic, you've got to put on a business hat. You've got to have it. You've got yeah. to have that business hat. So I just yeah. said, I just posted, I just sailed in, uh, in a national championship in, in Minneapolis and I, and I finished uh, ninth out of 70 boats. And I was really happy because I don't sail this boat that much, but I posted a, a post and I said, you know, 
commit to what you love, you know, and if you can figure out how to make a buck at it, then you just do what you love. And I said, I, I, I love to sail and I pay for my passion by taking pictures. Mm. And I can't believe that like, like I should just write that boat was paid for with headshot money. (laughs) Like headshot crew on the sales. So cool. I should be sponsored by headshot crew. You (laughs) know, it's like, it's like, it means a lot to me. I never thought in a million years I'd be able to say that. And when I was younger, my brother, I I never thought in a million years I'd be able to say that when I was younger, my, my brother bought our first boat together we had it together and he paid for it. i paid for the sales i guess i guess he bought the first boat then the second boat we kind of split it a little bit and this boat i just went and outright bought it and i was like this is this is cool be able to do that that's cool no i love it i love it nathan do we need to switch i'm actually uh, i'm staggering the camera so i'm just gonna just keep, it, just keep going I'm just okay wonderful wonderful okay well um i mean doing business is a completely separate thing you know like it's 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 like another part of the brain it's another it's just it seems so unrelated you know back in the day when like mozart and beethoven were making music for example they had patronage right they would have patrons that would fund these artists and not just musicians there would be painters whatever and you would have kings and and rich people all over they would just literally have on staff creators and creatives who their only job was to create art and music for their palace. Like that's that's how it worked. That's how all those works, like that's how Moses and Moses Mozart was able to write all his music. He had somebody funding him. He didn't have to think about how am I gonna sell this music. He didn't have to think about copyrights. He didn't have to think about anything. Yeah. The only thing he had to think about was how to make music, which is amazing, right? That's that seems amazing, but not a lot of people got to be in that position, first of all. Second of all, like that's no longer our world. Uh, it's just maybe we can bring that back somehow and um, you know there's models of trying to bring that back but either way you spin it if you're going to create art there needs to be a foundation there needs to be something that funds it or or any passion for that you know matter like um, there needs to be a way to make money doing it so what do you what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see photographers making as they are you know they're learning the craft but then when they get in the business side Oh, what I are mean, they doing I th- wrong? I think what they're doing is is they're going. I need business, so I'm gonna undercut all the other photographers out there and be like 1999 a headshot or something like that in terms yeah. of the headshot industry. And I'm just and like, they just make guys, themselves cheap. You just like, yeah, and it's just crappy work and it's a crappy feel. And the the person that that is willing to pay that amount is you know looking for crap so they're like they're harder to deal with it's like we we just had a woman that gave us a a little bit of a strange email and a little hard time on the over the phone and stuff and and i told my assistant just stop communicating with them that's not our client like you have to understand what you want if you want to operate on a high level you're not going to do that kind of stuff and i don't think at the now if you got to put food on the table there's things that you have to do but if you're specific to a certain genre and you want to be the best at that genre you better look at who's charging the most in that genre and and plan on being there that's all i did like there was a thousand dollar headshot in new york before i started somebody else created that the Mm -hmm. hobermans created that it was a was christine hoberman was the uh woman who i think first got to a thousand for headshots and i was like okay I want to, I want to get there. And mm-hmm. I started charging 250 and then I went up and up and up and mm-hmm. up and then I got mm-hmm. there and then I went, I was like, okay, now we can go past that. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it, I never went to do those cheap 
deal deal things. I think I think you get paid what you're worth. Yeah. And if you put your work out there and yeah. it's and it's crap, and you're gonna get a you're not gonna get a good price. But if you hone your craft and you work at it, and it's something special. Well, at that know. point, might as well do it for free for the right kind of clientele. Absolutely. Right? Where because charging that little is not gonna make a difference for you financially. You're still not making a living with right. it. But you've created an impression now that you're cheap. Yeah. And and now you're you're gonna be appealing to the wrong kind of clientele. Because somebody with money is not even gonna pay twenty dollars. They might they might do it for free as a favor to you to let you practice, but yeah. they're not gonna pay you twenty dollars because no. they just feel like who do you think I am? Like really yeah. like yeah. it's almost offensive, yeah. you know, to ask yeah. them to to pay twenty bucks for yeah. you know work like that. It's better just to do it for free until yeah. you get good enough, right? Until yeah. you can start charging. Yeah. Um I had you create a, enough value. I had a um casting director that was sending me people and mm. this girl came in and I had a consultation with her it didn't go well she left and I was like that didn't feel right so I called the casting director she called me I said you know that person you sent me I don't think she's gonna shoot with me she goes no she's not shooting you with you I was like why she goes you're too cheap she's the her she's the one who went to the thousand dollar headshot photographer didn't get the results they wanted I sent her to you because you're better than the thousand dollars you got to raise your rates and at that moment, I should have just, boom, been a thousand. But I didn't have the courage to charge that to much. do that back then. Yeah. So I wasn't charging properly back then. I didn't know this at the time, obviously. But I left a lot of money on the table that I could have had if I had run my business smoother and been more sound with it and understood business a little better. Better. I didn't. I was just. I just wanted to be busy. I was like, I want to be yeah. busy. Yeah. I'm running around New York. I've got people coming in. I was. I was book solid I got burnout and then I didn't know what to do and I was like searching for other things to try and do and then and then you know bottom line is that I always went back to I, w I was like what am I doing why am I why am mm -hmm. I not doing what I love I end mm -hmm. up I love shooting headshots so I, I to this day I still absolutely love it I had a little moment that I was like I don't know about this but that was like in 2008 and now I'm like so far beyond it yeah no I, I had the privilege of having you shoot me at one point and and i just have to say there's just like a magic like you're in there and where i just know 100 percent that what you're doing you are so into it you like there's a chemistry happening between you know what the little micro expressions in my face and the prompts that you're giving me that i mean um there's nothing like it you know it's 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 terrifying to have a photographer who doesn't know what they're doing. Oh. You know, and then you're having yeah. to like try to compensate for their lack of competence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, no, no, it's been um, I think photographing people's a challenge for a lot of people. I think it scares a lot of photographers. I think that uh, you know, humans are like wild cards. You don't know what you're getting. I find it challenging. I love it. I love it, but I work my whole career to try and figure people out to be able to pull the best out of them so i i i embrace it yeah you know and um and i think the other photographers the people that they don't know what to do instead of embracing it they just press the shutter <laughs> and that's it so the the yeah. they don't communicate with their subject yeah. well and and it shows on the on the face yeah and then you just get you just get a bunch of pictures that are vacant and the and the people probably won't like that and and that's 
that's my mojo is that and I got fortunate that that happens if camera if you put a camera up in front of somebody and they all of a sudden look fantastic and it was easy every photographer could do what I do but it's just it's just great that that there's this challenge yeah and for me the the most amazing thing on the planet to look at is the human face I think it's so interesting mm. so I'm like all about humans I'm like mm. whoa and and I everybody's so different I have identical twin daughters and they look totally different to me I mean, yeah. I'm like, they may have the same DNA, but these are, they are, I mean, my daughters do look different. Like some people can't tell them apart, but they definitely look different. <laughs> but anyway, I think that that, those yeah. little nuances of even twins, you know, yeah. is, is like amazing. Yeah. No, really cool. I'm going to pause for just one second before we do the last question. Can we turn the AC off or? It's, I mean, well, we have everything's off. I think it's in my room that it's turned off. Is it coming uh, through the mic? It's not kind of big. Uh, you can just switch the fan to off, I think. We got one more question and then. Uh, we did that before it started. Oh, you just. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of noisy. I mean, the microphones are not going to pick up nearly as much as we're yeah, hearing, but. This is great content, by the way. This is like. Yeah, it's cool. I, I tell him stuff I never said before. Yeah, because I'm used to Peter Hurley just talking about, you know, your, you know, the, the shooting techniques, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great and it's really important. Yeah, if but you like, can chop stuff out of this, that'd be cool. Yeah, we will. No, yeah. for sure. This is, this is fantastic. Um, all right, I'm going to transition to the last question. Cameras are good? Yeah, we're good. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay. Well, um, I mean, shooting is, um, I'm going to restart that. Um, so developing, you know, an inner disposition to create excellent work in everything that you do, that, that's one thing. Then doing the business side and figuring that out, that's another thing. Um, and say, 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 you know, if we're talking to creators or photographers who have gotten there, they have, you know, uh, figured out what kind of photography they're doing. They figured out the business side. They have clientele. They're making a living doing it. They're happy. And at that point, many photographers and designers creators alike i think it's similar for many of them they start to think about scale like where do we go from here because humans we're just we want to we want to keep getting better we want to keep moving on we want to increase what we're doing right so like mm -hmm. um the challenging part of having a, an artistic service that you offer for money is that at some point you run out of time there's only so much of you right and yeah. you can increase your rates and i think that's the first thing of scaling that yeah. any creator needs to do but even then as you increase your rates in your demographic, you run out of clientele um, that are willing to pay that much. And and so everyone, you know, starts to think, I mean, if they keep doing their craft at some point, like, how do I scale this? And from what I've seen, there are a few paths that one can take. Um, you can, you know, create something like an agency where you have people working for you. Um, we have people using Bloom who make over a million dollars a year with, you know, shooters underneath them. So they're providing them work. Um, Another way to do it is to pursue the educational path where you become now an instructor for others and help them get to where you're going. And that's, there's a market for that. That's very much needed. People who are starting out are like, they need direction so you can provide value for them. Mm -hmm. um, are there other ways of scaling uh, a photography business or is that generally the, the path to go? Um, I, think, I think there's numerous ways to do it. Um, I had for a very long time needed to have a human being in front of my camera and press the button to get paid anything. 
and multiple human beings a day. And, and I worked from, you know, nine in the morning till midnight sometimes and just shooting up a storm just to try and make ends meet. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> I was like, I need mm-hmm. to figure this out. So in 2007, I decided, well, what if I train a photographer to do what I do and give them the clientele and put a person in front of their camera and take a cut off that. So mm-hmm. that was one way for me to scale. And I started doing that in New York. And then one of the, the photographers who I started with was like, I want to go to LA and do it. And I was like, I want to go to LA. I was like, I, my goal was to be the best headshot photographer in New York. I was like, all right, I did that. I want to be the best in the country. I got to go to LA. So yeah. I got to open up in LA. Yeah. So I go out to LA, I open up and I start this, I called it at the time PH2. Um, I don't know, Peter Hurley too. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so I had these photographers on me and then my web developer said, well, if you're doing that in your own studio, why don't we just train photographers and then you could just send them work globally and we'll build a website for it. And I was like, what? And so we built headshot crew. It was called PH2 pro when mm-hmm. we first started in 2010. Um, I think we launched in 2011. Mm-hmm. But then we rebranded and, you know, so for me, it was, it was that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I had these amazing human beings, Lee Morris and Patrick Hall from F-Stoppers walked into my studio one day and they said, you're an interesting guy. Can we interview you? And I was like, sure. And they did a little video of me, which I still, I have to watch it. It was so long ago. I had like hair down to here. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, was, we were on my roof of my studio. <laughs> and, uh, but that changed everything for me because I had, I had blinders on. I was just shooting up a storm in New York City. I didn't know there was a teaching component. I didn't ever, I had only taught sailing. I like was, did not think that I could teach this. Um, and I didn't know that there was a, a um, income that could come from that. But when I started to give the jobs to the other photographers and, and take the guy, I was like, I have to teach them because they need to do it like me. I need to teach them exactly how to do mm-hmm. it like me. And I think that most photographers, you know, hide secret sauce. They don't want other, they're, they're worried about competition. I had a bunch of people tell me, why are you teaching this? Like you're going to create competition for yourself. And at the time I thought the answer was, I, I really believe you're either creating or you're disintegrating. If you're doing things in your business, the same that you were doing a year ago, your business is disintegrating. If you're not creating, you have to con- con- continually change. I continually think about my rates. I continually think about how I operate. I continue to think about how I'm marketing and, and, and things of this mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time I was like, well, if I teach people to do this for somebody to get to the level that I'm at in surpass and like take clientele away from me somehow, by the time that that happens, I better be so far off in some other direction that I deserve to disintegrate, you know? So mm. I'm just too driven to, to, to stop. I, I don't think maybe now mm. at, you know, at the age I'm at compared to when I was in my, I, I don't think you could stop me in my thirties. I don't think anybody could stop me. I was not there. Were, I didn't have an off switch. I, I, you know, I was, I call myself a full boreholic. I would be like nuts. Like I remember going to the gym and I would go down to the gym in my building and I'd start working out. I'd be like, I could be working on my business right now. Why am I working out? And I would leave and I'd be like, I don't have time for this. And I remember doing it. And I was like, now I don't shoot till the afternoon and I work out every morning 
so I won't like not miss a workout. So I was just in a different mm -hmm. mindset, which I couldn't, I wouldn't want to do now. I don't know that, you know, but it got me to where I am. It so, did. Did. you know, I think the work ethics got to be there, but to scale it's new ideas. And I think for photographers in general, a lot of photographers want to maybe look at somebody who's done something like me and think that they might want to do that. And I just think that I got very fortunate because I had a genre that was very specific. Like mm -hmm. I just concentrated on headshot. Like I just was like, this is it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was fortunate that I had other people telling me, no, you, this is it. <laughs> like Scott Kelby said, he goes, there's no book on headshots. Like you're the guy to write it. We have to write a book. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not an author. He's got, I don't write it with you. You need to write this. <laughs> so I wouldn't be an author without Scott telling me you need to have this book. Yeah. Um, Imagine and he was um, right. Imagine if you started doing weddings and commercial shoots. I don't think you would be Peter Hurley. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know who I would be, but I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, I think there's, there's I mean, a magic I, to like niching down to a place where you can truly master it. Cause mastering so many disciplines you, you're yeah. now now all of a sudden you're competing against experts here and experts here and experts here and there's only so much time you have yeah. not only to become an expert there but to promote your work to promote your content etc and I, I think the fact that you did that yeah. is just pure genius i mean I, that's i don't know how other f others feel but this mastering thing like for me i don't know how many headshots i've taken in my lifetime i i'm guessing it's 30 or forty thousand. i don't know but I haven't mastered headshot photography. And if I haven't, I don't think anybody on the planet has. I'm a student of the game. I'm constantly trying to get better. I'm getting better. How could I have mastered something that I'm getting better at? It's impossible. So I, I, there's Ernest Hemingway said, we are all apprentices in a, what is the quote? We are all apprentices in a game we haven't, we'll never master or something like that. It's a mm -hmm. quote from, we gotta find that quote. I just read it today because I put it in a presentation that I'm doing. Um, but I like love a true that. artist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're never arrived. I mean, basically if you've arrived, then you're done creating yeah. and you better move on. And I haven't moved on. Yeah. So for me mm. to continually dig into this and love it, I mean, I have challenges. I, I'll tell you the the toughest ones are the easiest the, the ones I remember the most and the ones that are the hardest like I still have people that won't succumb to my you know charm in front of the camera <laughs> and not put up with me I just had uh, a publicist text me about a woman who you know was beautiful in front of the camera and 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 he's like I need this shot but I was like yeah but she's a, she, it wasn't a, it wasn't a headshot because she was like she didn't want to be shot that close. So I had to shoot her further away and they wanted you. He goes, no, I need higher quality, like your work. I was like, well, that wasn't, she didn't want that. I was like, <laughs> but it's like stuff like that. Like, yeah. like it's like amazing to me um, how, and, and this is for photographers in general, how specific that you can be inside your genre. Like I have taken headshots down and down and down to doing a formula that I actually dole out to photographers globally and say, I want you to copy it exactly like this. Like here are all my settings. Here's the lights. Here's the settings on the lights. Here's the settings in Capture One. Here's my secret sauce. I want it all done like that. I'm giving it to you in a package. And then you do that, 
get really good and then go off on tangents on your own and become better than me if you want to or whatever. Um, but when that happens, I'll be off, you know, I'll be already, I'm, it's amazing. I look at my work and if you look at a shot I took in 2004, I think the normal everyday human being looks at my work. uh, If I pick my favorite shot that I took when I went digital in 2004 and I showed you my favorite shot today, I put them next to each other. People would be like, it's very little different but for me i'm like what that's like <laughs> a, like a huge different like yeah. i see things that yeah. you know it's so amazing uh, which is the case of any discipline that's artistic like you you take a pianist who's been performing for five years and maybe they they finished the conservatory and they have maybe even a phd right um and they will play at a level that's phenomenal and then you take somebody who's been performing for 20 years and, and, and have like mastered it to another level and you play the two of them side by side to an average person, they won't notice much of a difference, but between the pianists themselves, they'll yeah. see, hear everything. So I think, you know, yeah. when you get to that altitude, air gets thin, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not yeah. a lot of people up there who, yeah. who see the micro expressions in the face, who see the way the shadows fall, you know, when you're shooting yeah. the photograph. Somebody just told me a story that I thought was really interesting that they, it was a famous musician band and I forget, and it was a famous like guitar player or something. I wish I knew the, uh, this whole story, but they, the, the guy, the lead singer said to the guitar player, don't, I don't want your girlfriend coming to the shows this week. And the guy was like, okay. So for the first three nights, the girl didn't come on the fourth night. The lead singer went up to me, your girlfriend's here. He played differently. That's why he didn't want her coming played differently he heard it because he knew that she was there the tiny little i was like what yeah it's amazing that yeah. they would they would They'd hear, hear. It. they yeah. hear it they know yeah. it's like amazing how what things affect you and how no very how critical true. that is at that at the highest level uh, the nuances in what people do so huge so last question for you um you don't have to respond right away if you want to think about it for a second what is what is something you believe very strongly uh, related to your discipline and your craft that you would say most people disagree with you on? Oh, geez. Disagree with me. Yeah. I think that most people play it safe. Like for instance, you go after something and if you tell people, if you're a big thinker and you tell people your goals and you tell them where you're going, nine times out of 10, you probably know who you would say them to and people will give you a negative response. No, you can't do that. What are you talking about? You know, whatever. Um, and I think that that's just the nature of the people who love you want you to want to say, you know, don't risk that because it's not worth mm-hmm. the reward. You're never going to make it. They want to see so, you where you are with them. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember the change in me happened where friends faded away. Like people couldn't handle my success. Like I didn't even know what was going on. It was so fast. Um, it changed everything. You know, I went from, you know, as a mono actor, bartender dude, I made like 50 grand a year. So when I first started taking pictures, I was like, I'm going to, my goal is to make a thousand dollars a week, you know? And, um, 
and I started and everything every year I was doubling what I was making for like the first four or five years to where my life, everything changed, everything changed. Yeah. And for people to, to understand that and comprehend that. And the people told me I shouldn't do it. Like, how do you go? And, and you know, my parents were always like, my brother was a successful finance guy. Go work for your brother. I wasn't a go work for your brother type of guy. Like I love my brother. I would have worked with him maybe, but if I had gone down that path, I'd never be sitting here and I never would have what I have and I wouldn't be an artist, you know? And, and, uh, and I think that if we listen to people that don't see our vision, uh, I think that's what happens to a lot of people mm-hmm. is that they have the vision. They tell somebody they get shot down and they quit and they don't go they give up it. on the vision. And then, yeah. yeah. And if you actually don't tell anybody, just like do it. Yeah. Just and a lot and of your it. friends yeah. might tell you they're supportive, but the energy that they're giving you is yeah. jealousy generally if you are successful. So they're never going to be really mm-hmm. legit with you mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So you should really only tell like-minded individuals about your goals and what you're doing mm-hmm. and to give, give yourself some accountability. And if you believe in yourself, then you can tell people, but don't let your goals be trampled on by people that don't have your vision. Um, it says Jesus once said, a prophet is not without welcome except in his own hometown. Something about the people that surround you, they want to see you where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get nervous when you have ambitions to leave your town. Yeah. To go bigger. Yeah. To do better. And uh, it kills a lot of dreams and visions. And thank you so much, Peter, for, for pursuing your vision and your dreams and being an inspiration to many others and for taking the time to come out here and share it with us thanks for having me that was fun appreciate it all right right, cool